Welcome to the PTMA podcast. Another live check-in for you guys this week. Uh, loads of cool questions actually from how often should you chase and follow up with people um, in regards to uh, following up on leads. We've got some questions on when to use MI in a consultation, uh, how to build that conversation out to bring about a better successful prescription for the program and a ton of other really cool questions as normal a uh, couple of things to make you aware of the ptma pt business transformation program starts on the 10th of may uh, you can reserve your place through the link in the show notes <clears throat> also if you find this podcast useful please Share it with people that are like-minded like yourselves and always give us some feedback. Um, give us uh, any rating or feedback that you'd like for us to improve. Thanks very much, guys. Hope you get a lot out of this episode today and have a great week. go right ladies and gents some belting questions belting questions this week um variety of different stuff so without further ado is it a do or a do a do sounds better isn't it that's agadoo though isn't it that's a class song <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we've got to bring back the song battle don't we yeah that was good actually that was probably the most engaged stuff we've ever had but you were just losing completely <laughs> no it was fuck it I won every time I think <laughs> right anyway let's less of the small talk let's fucking get stuck in because there's some good questions you can go first if you want ladies first thank you Anthony any advice when switching a client who is in a deficit to a bulk? Um, and I can see it says, and we don't normally ask these questions like this, but please start asking more questions like this because we've talked about this stuff all day over the, the business side of things. So my advice would be to, as you're switching it up, probably bring in a little bit more detail to what you're doing. So potentially bring in my fitness power for a little bit of time. Um, <clears throat> And obviously it's easy for people to overconsume. So what I would do is do it incrementally. So like probably start off by sticking another 200 calories into um, their diet. So it depends on how much their, their deficit has been as well. So if they've, let's say for example, have been in a 20% um, a deficit for so long, you then start to slowly just kind of reverse diet them back to maintenance and then take them into um, over time, a bit of a 200 cal surplus, um, and then measure that, uh, depending that dep very much depends on if it's a female or male, but measure that probably for about two, three, four weeks, see how that goes. And then if you're not starting to see some increases on the scale, because you're going to have to be a bit more focused with my fitness pal and stuff like that, a bit more focused with the scale more than likely. So you can take measurements to see the results of the incremental increases, um, and then if it's not moving, stick another 100 in, stick another 100 in, and then go from there. That would be my advice. Um, 
and obviously just be really aware that um, it very much depends on the person. Um, so you're going to have to increase the level of communication between you and them until you're at a comfortable stage. I suppose that's about as simple as it goes, like slow and steady wins the race with that type of stuff. Because a lot of people go, right, well, what we're going to do is then, for example, we've been in, we've been on 1,800 calories. That's been 20% deficit. So that's around 2,200 at maintenance. So if I then take them from 1,800 up to, I don't know, 15% surplus, and that takes them up to um, two, five-ish, then that's a big jump, big jump for a lot of people. Um, and although it sounds right for you to be able to, to, for you to go and do something like that, it can bring a whole host of different kind of behavioral factors that people might think, well, sod it, I've got an extra, I've got used to life at 1800. I've got an extra seven, 800 calories here that I can play about with compared to where I'm at. And then normally from a mentality perspective, that leads them to go all in. So yeah, concentrate on the fundamental stuff, small increases, make sure protein's at a decent level. Um, and yeah, that's all I would say. Anything you'd add, Nick? I'd agree with, I would agree with everything you said. The only thing additional I'd add to that is just dig into what their version of bulk is. Just get a bit more detail on, do they want to put on size but not body fat? Are they just looking to build straight? Like, just dig into that a little bit because sometimes that term can be um, misinterpreted, I'd say. Cool. Next question is, with one-to-one -one clients, would you generally suggest setting them up with a direct debit? And would you do that for monthly payments or weekly, etc.? Yes. 100%. Um, yeah, whether it's monthly, weekly, bi-weekly, uh, if it's a recurring payment, 100%. Um, yeah, got nothing else to add to that. Simple yes. <laughs> um, cool, cool, cool. What's he put here, Jamie Farp? Up the leads. Up the leads. Stop off, mate. <laughs> Me and you on a Tuesday morning this early. That was a terrible game on Sunday. Horrific. Anyway, next question. Sending out for the first time at the client feedback form next week. Brilliant. With the last question about a referral, should I put an incentive? Ideas what that could be. Um yeah. I would personally, I would put an incentive in there and do like an internal marketing campaign where you put a massive drive behind that, something of high value um, that relates to the majority of your clients. So, um, listen, I could give you loads of examples of this, but it, it's going to have to be of high value to your clients. You could do vouchers, um, like shopping vouchers, like food shop vouchers come in handy for like um, anyone really, like if they're going to save money on their food shop. Um, high street vouchers, that type of stuff um, works quite well. You might network with other companies. This is a really good opportunity for you to network with others as well. So they might be, I don't know, you throw in a, a free sports massage session, a free physio session, uh, something at a barber's or a hairdresser's and just bring something to life like that. So it very much depends on what your client's holding from a high value perspective. If you ask your clients, nine times out of 10, they'll say free personal training. You want to avoid, you avoid that. 
you want to really put something in place that drives them to give you some names. Um, yeah, and I would put, like, I genuinely would ask for names and emails or contact details as well. So, like, referral, names, contact details, and then that gets put all in a draw. And then you do the draw, say, at the end of the month, um, live in your group. You put loads of kind of fuss behind it. And it's like an internal marketing campaign, and it can work really, really, really well like really well. I've done some dodgy ones over year, over the years in terms of getting dressed up to do the prize draw or putting a theme behind it. Like I, it was one of the main ways I used to bring leads into my business, if I'm dead honest. Um, so yeah, it's endless what you can do with it. Anything you would say, Nick? Cool, cool, cool. Uh, um, so I did an online program. Uh, is this mine? Yeah, you just asked me that question. The fuck are you doing? There's a system here. Don't break it. Come on. I did an online program and I videoed myself doing all the workouts, which I thought was time consuming. Would you lads recommend doing the workout programming on my PT hub to save time? Yes, 100%. Um, a few different reasons why. <clears throat> Number one, obviously, it will save time. That, that, that's a big thing because when you start to run the programs, when you start to get feedback, you start to get different levels of the program, different varieties like home workouts, gym workouts, whatever, whatever. You've got, you're just creating that bulk of templates out to then repurpose and reuse. So that's the first thing. Um, secondly, you'll have, you'll be able to have uh, instant accountability and feedback, whether they're doing the workouts or not. Um, secondly, with my PT hub, you could do a scheduler included in the, the program. So a scheduler is essentially if you think of it like an online diary for your clients and you can schedule in what they do on different days, whether it's workouts, hitting steps, checking in, whatever, whatever. And that kind of gives them a progress rating as they complete the tasks. So that's a really great tool to use as well. Um, yeah, it, it is just so much more efficient. Whether you use my PT Herbal or whatever, if you if anyone's listening and they they're using true coach or whatever 100 percent looking at instagram performance should i take low performance posts in brackets likes to mean the audience isn't taking value tends to be more educational posts that aren't in video format should this influence content going forward or keep the variety um okay so it shouldn't influence your consistency and your content going forward no you should stay as consistent as possible um try to not let affect kind of your view on it um try and remove the obviously it gives you that gratification doesn't it that kind of getting likes and stuff like that but what what we really want is we want people to comment we want people to um, DM us off the back of it. We want people to share our stuff. They're the real metrics that you probably want to be focusing on. 
Now that takes time to build. And obviously likes are a byproduct of that. You get engagement and so on. What you'll find is your educational based posts. Um, the you look at Instagram for what it is like. You put a post up of you, I don't know, working out or you doing a session or you posing or you doing a, a photo with a dog. It'll always get more likes than you talking about an energy deficit. So it depends on how you view things and what your expectations are around it. What I would say is the people liking and engaging with the dog photos, the pictures of you in the videos and all of that type of stuff are less likely to then buy into the service from my experience than the ones that are really engaged with the educational based stuff because they're the ones that are looking at that reading it probably acting on it and coming to your page for education which is obviously what you want so personally i would say stay consistent also what i would say is keep checking in with your market keep doing market research see the phrases that they're using the keywords the themes that they're saying what they're struggling with, their barriers. So then you know your content is always on point. Um, and then as soon as you've got that peace of mind, then just be relentlessly consistent from there and try and remove any expectation or, um, yeah, putting your kind of view on things, on likes and stuff like that. I know it's really hard. It's easy for me to say that. But what you'll see is the consistency will pay off in time if you keep checking yourself in that it is directed at the market and see it as a process and a learning process. Um, along the way as well. It doesn't mean to say that your posts are piss poor. It's just, it could be anything. Your marketing is currently in somebody else's hands with the algorithm and Instagram and stuff like that. So you have to take it with a pinch of salt and just see it as a learning process. That would be my advice. Anything else, Nick? No, I'd agree. Um, bloody poor Andy Rose. I've kicked him out of the group for some reason. There he is. I've let him back in now. Um... I know, yeah, he's just messaged me going, Ant, you've kicked me out of the group. I don't know how I've done that. What's going on here? But it's not me, I bet it was Nick. Right, next one. Um, any ideas or incentive on how to create interest for people doing lifting into one-to-one -one or hybrid coaching? For context, I'm only a paid... I'm only paid as an instructor an instructor for the group sessions, but a lot of the people doing the classes are not very experienced and need extra support. Question that. And okay. you are the man to answer it, Nicholas. Okay, so... So... It's 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 about creating that opportunity to talk, and it's about that creating opportunity to find out from people. So, um, a very very simple way to bridge that gap is um, definitely start to do some form of almost uh, session feedback, and during that feedback. Um, you can start to kind of probe them in regards to like, what is there? I mean, it's all going to come down to what they're wanting to achieve and why they're turning up for that and prompting them to reflect on their results or lack of results will ultimately um, present an opportunity to engage with them and, and to start to kind of question them and ultimately offer the service or position you core offering that will that will help and bridge those gaps and, and solve those problems. 
So uh, very simply, I'd start with some class feedback forms, but have maybe one or two, um, sorry, group sessions, group forms, um, have the first couple of questions maybe based on feedback on the actual session, then maybe like two or three really key questions about what they're trying to achieve, where they feel they need the biggest level of support, um, do they feel like they would benefit from sitting down, having a chat or jumping on Zoom and going through um, a consultation to figure out where you can kind of plug that gap? That's probably what I'd, that's probably quick and easy win for you there, I'd say. Um, not knowing how much you know the group or what that kind of that's probably what I'd go to. Anything extra? No, no, no. Oh, you ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm just reading the question now. Um, well, the, the the essay, should I say. Go on, I'm ready. It's a good one, actually. It's a really good one. Um, I review my online programmes once a month and like to make changes based off their goals and feedback from check-ins and monthly reviews. However, oftentimes they don't give me much to go off. For example, they just say that everything is going fine and they're happy to do whatever I put in their plan. None of, none of them are currently tracking anything about their sessions and because I'm online, I feel like I don't actually know if they're doing the sessions at all. I just have to take their word for it. Uh, I've also mentioned that they can send me technique videos for feedback. No one ever has. I haven't really pushed it on them anyway so far. The lack of feedback is an issue for me because they're online gen pop clients and I basically have no idea what they're doing with their workouts, even though uh, I'm not coaching them face to face. I still want to support them. I don't feel like changing the programs just for the sake of it. Would rather would my would, would rather uh, some input from them. I want to give them workouts they enjoy. I want to avoid anything they hate in order to keep the adherence high. Is there any way to get more feedback from them without being a dick <laughs> um and should i stop overthinking this and give them a new program and even if they don't offer me any feedback well i'm tired um, <clears throat> you know you've made nick do some work um all right now, this is a really good question because there'll be a lot hell of, hell of a lot of personal trainers who've switched up from offline to online over the past 12 months that are going through this either in silence because they don't want to dent their pride by asking the question. Um, so it is a really, really good question. Um, it's decent for you to be open and honest about it as well. I think, first of all, before we go into the detail of when should you program and when should you not program, when should you change it and tweak it? I think what potentially needs to happen is a really good chat between you and the client. Um, so I would book everyone in for a monthly review or I would do a face-to-face check-in but before going into that, I would have things down for that client that you feel need to improve from your side of things. Now, you want to have a look at and get feedback from on how much the clients are enjoying the sessions. So how would they rate the sessions? And how currently motivated do they feel? All of that type of stuff is relevant because if they're saying that they're enjoying the sessions, but they're like a seven or eight, the motivation's about seven or eight, you've got something, you've got legs to work with. So when you sit down in a monthly review, go, right, okay, let me just dig into this a little bit more. So then when you talk through the monthly review and you have a bit of a chat, 
you can then start to suppose lay down expectations from your side that going back through goal setting and stuff like that, the only way that we're going to be able to move things forward, if you, if you understand how that's getting, how, how that person is, how you're getting on. Um, so sit them down, go through that from a face-to-face perspective, go through expectations. And it might just, it might just be down to our context and their, I suppose, competence of being able to do it. So if you're using, say, for example, training software, like, for example, True Coach or something like that, it's them knowing where to put their weights in, where to put their sets in, where to put their reps in. If you use my PT up, the same. Um, and the context into why that's important for them to do that, because um, they might not know, and it might not have been clear at the start. So really clear that up and like make sure that you, com- you communicate as, like, as clearly as possible as to why that's important for them going forward um, of making progress and all of that type of stuff. So that's what I would say draw a line in the sand with it and then see how they get on with that. But constantly, obviously use that level of autonomy of kind of how they feel they're getting on with a pro. It sounds like you are anyway, but if they're just saying they're getting on fine, but delivering you a bit of feedback, it just means that for me, that's feedback that it needs to be clearer on what you want and need as a coach. And it needs to be clearer of how, if they give you that, how that will directly benefit them. And then as soon as that's clearer and they understand it, they'll more than likely adhere to it uh, as well. So that would be my advice um, from a programming perspective. Um, I would definitely sit down with every single client. And it's not about you dictating and turning around and going, you must do this. It's the context behind it, why you do it, how they do it, um, how often you check over that, and maybe the feedback and the communication off the back of it as well. Um, because then that can give you the context to be able to tweak the programs so they don't get bored, so they stay consistently motivated and all them trigger pain point stuff of why they come into your business in the first place. Um, I'm just making sure that I've not missed anything and then I'll go to Nick. Should I stop overthinking this? I don't think it's overthinking it. You want to give a great service, so I understand why 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 you're thinking about it. And I think another thing is that be conscious that a lot of people fear doing exercise alone, let alone kind of videoing that and gaining feedback from you. Um, so again, that's going to come off the video feedback is going to come off the back of them really understanding why it's there, what it's going to do for them, how it's going to support them and how that will move their progress forward. If you can do feedback and all of that type of stuff, so that's really important and make it easy for them to do a video. And it sounds stupid, but them being able to film it and send it over, you needs to be really quick and convenient as well. Um, and the feedback needs to be amazing. So maybe just start with one client from a video feedback perspective who you know really needs it or really wants it. And then use that within your client group of seeing and measuring progress so people can see actually, wow, look at their progress of that RDL. They used to round their back. They couldn't hinge. And now look at where they are. And that's actually developing them more confidence in the gym environment. So long-winded answer for a long-winded question. But hopefully that covers most things. Nick, anything you'd add? No, I agree with everything you said, the main point there. Um I also think some type of automated way of tracking 
their workouts, you get a notification of their workouts. So if you're using software, like maximize that software um, as much as you can, um, because a lot of the time that can, you can create um, autonomy with that and it can give you that feedback without having to kind of ask all the time. Um, so yeah, that's the only thing I'd add. Just one more on that. Um, I know on my PT Hub and on True Coach, there's a compliance system on both pieces of software where if the client fills it in of what they're doing, it puts them in green. On my PT Hub, it puts them green, amber, or red. On um, True Coach, it gives them a percentage and has them green, amber, or red. Um, they might be some, once you've sat down with each client and gone through that so they completely understand the context behind it and how it plays a role for them. Once you go through that process, you might put something in place of like most improved level of compliance because it might be that a lot of them are doing the sessions, but, and I've done this, I, I, I literally paid for a program for the last 12 to 18 months and hardly filled out any stuff. I just made note of it at home. Um, I didn't hardly ever updated it. I just made note on my whiteboard what my lifts were. Um, so a lot of people just do that out of convenience. So if you put some level of accountability of most improved compliance and you've got pictures of the red, green and amber of people who are filling in or people who are doing the sessions, then that also might work, but only after you've re-delivered it to everyone, in my opinion. Next question, how long would you leave it before following up or on chasing a lead? Chasing a lead. Um, oh, I'd love some more context beyond this one. Um, so if it's someone who's inquired, I, yeah, I need some more con. So if it's someone who's inquired, it should be immediate anyway. That process should be automated in immediate anyway. Um, If it's someone who's been in a consultation and they've gone to gone away and uh, to think about it, um, I would always give them not a deadline, but an expectation of when you need to know by whether they're going to start or not. So for yeah, kind of a bit, bit of a deadline for want of a better word, but um, and then just check in with them. So I think. Um, straight after the consultation, send them send them a summary of what you spoke about, what it is. Um, invite them for a, invite them to open up with any questions. I'd probably give another three occasions, maybe over the next week, where I just check in, see how they're doing, if they've got any questions, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then post that. Just kind of leave it. I would say so. Yeah, if it's a consultation, I think that summary afterwards gives you an opportunity to quote unquote chase, but not very kind of directly and pushy. Um, and then another 48 hours after that. So also because I think it's important to, to just check in with them simply because that's probably a small part of their week, right? You know family, work, travel, all the other stuff that got go, people have got going on in their lives. And a lot of the time people can forget and just let it go by. So I think chasing or following up is, is probably a better term, is important. Um, but if they're not getting back to you, they're not getting back to you. 
I wouldn't continually go in after that kind of two or three occasions. Hopefully that's answered your question. To what degree, to what degree, sorry, I'm just moving something, uh, would you apply motivational interviewing when talking about nutrition and exercise during a consult? Would you use it to build out the action plan with the prospect there and then, or more so use it to pull out and identify their issues, barriers, so, you've, so you then have context to coach from when they hopefully sign up? Okay, so first of all, it would very much depend on the current relationship you have with that person um, as to what you can get out of them in that chat. Um, so weigh that up, like how many times you spoke to them before, is it an element of trust and stuff like that, to how much you can get out and how much I suppose they want to share within a 30 to 60 minute kind of session with you going through things. Um, essentially motivational interviewing, I didn't want to say should then, but it, it should be done throughout the whole conversation. And if that means that it starts to help frame um, their methods for nutrition, then absolutely. And for training, absolutely. If it starts to build out their service off the back of their barriers and issues, then absolutely. Um, you can do that throughout that whole. So bear in mind, the whole point of that, of motivational interviewing is to ask minimal amount of questions. So 20% you, 80% them. You're asking open-ended questions, delivering affirmations um, off the back of what they're saying. You're paraphrasing and then you're summarizing. So it's them who are influenced, like they're the main influence on the conversation, right? Your questions, don't get me wrong, your questions really lead the conversation. Um, but what I would say is if you can get all of that out in the consult, then absolutely, like a million percent. Um, I think this is where... Good morning, Michelle, or good afternoon, whatever time it is in New Zealand. Um, I think this is where the pre-consult plays such an amazing role because the pre-consult really starts to, for me, shape the nutrition and exercise prescription off the back of that conversation of the two or three questions you've asked, or you ask off the back of the form. And then for me, the consult really goes into MI-based barriers and overcoming them. So it's a difficult one to answer because it depends on the person and where you're at with your in your, in that coach client relationship. But I don't see why not. You can't get all of that out. Nick, anything else on that? Yeah, just to just to back on what you just said there, it's in both because effectively when you're building out that action plan with the prospect, it's coming from the issues and the barriers. So it completely kind of flows from one to the next. Um, so yeah, I agree. I agree, mate. Andy Rose has just dropped something in to um, the chat regards to doing a monthly review tomorrow. Going to use the test. Um, I'm going to use what we said to test out. I'm hoping the gym's reopening here. My clients will look, be looking for more support and feedback with their workouts. Fingers crossed. I'll explain that we use weekly check-in and monthly reviews to give me feedback and to move their progress forward. Yeah, I think I'm just conscious on that one, Andy, is they need to see it, how it directly benefits them. This is why we always turn around, turn around and go, right, the, the check-in process specifically is a 100% for the client, right? 
don't get me wrong. It helps us. We need that feedback. And especially if you're an online coach, yeah, we absolutely do need that feedback to be able to act on. But the way we communicate it is it's for the client. It taps into stuff that they've struggled with in the past, like accountability, application, um, motivation, consistency. That's why that check-in is there. So when you're delivering it, it's maybe you going back to the consult and going, remember when we talked in the consultation about the previous attempts that you had made and you blamed yourself, didn't you, in regards to you not succeeding on Slimming World and Weight Witchers. But actually we discussed in the consultation that maybe what they delivered for you, the methods, maybe that just didn't fit into your life very well to help with your consistency, motivation, accountability and application of all of the methods. One thing we discussed and agreed at that point is some type of weekly reflection and summary would be really good for you to encompass everything that you're going through. And this is where the weekly checking comes in to help you self-reflect on your progress. So it's 100% for you, but it's to help you and taking you back to that consult to keep you dialed in from a motivation and consistency perspective. Because we know if you're motivated and consistent, you're going to get great results. So they're seeing that and going, right, this is actually an amazing tool for me. I really need this. Yes, it's important for me to feedback in, but uh, to Andy, but it's also amazing for me to sit there and reflect on it and act on it going forward and help overcome my barriers. As soon as they know it's for them and it's dialed in for them, they'll 100% do it because it's triggered and helps overcome a barrier. As soon as that come, like, starts to be seen as that's for you, as the coach, they're doing it for you, it becomes a task and a task added into their life that they don't know the context for and why it directly benefits them. They no longer do it. Um, from my experience so just suppose watch how you communicate it through um, and the same goes for the the technique videos absolutely it helps you but it's 100% for them same goes for programming and the feedback absolutely you need it as the coach and as the as the leader of that person making progress but again it's 100% for them and their results so they need to see how all of them features directly benefit them for them to be dialed into them and that just will probably mean you sitting back down and walking them through it really clearly and, uh, and seeing that stuff that I've just gone through. Some good, really, really good questions today. Um, Seb, okay, that makes sense. I had a consult where it didn't really lead that way into building out a plan like it did with some others. It led me to wonder if there were better questions I should have asked. Nick, do you want to touch on anything on that? Yeah, there, there might have been certain questions you could have asked differently, mate. Um, the pros, the, the framework still still sits true in my in my opinion. So I think maybe just kind of reflecting on that, thinking about what question you asked at one point, maybe having a look at that TGROC model, and maybe picking out a couple of different options that you could potentially use, um, because. <clears throat> a, a classic thing to happen is for you to get in the moment and try and solve the problem there and then rather try and maybe re reflectively respond back to the back to the prospect so I would imagine that's probably something because that, I mean we all fall into that we all fall into that um, at the best of time so that's one thing that I could probably think of that one likely probably would have happened. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that helps me, but that's probably kind of the cause of that, I'd say. And, and mate, this is, 
just remember this as well is this is a skill that you're building this is a skill that you, you you're trying to perfect and that'll take time and practice mate so um <clears throat> i think this is a good shout out to anybody really that if anybody wants uh to get feedback on consults or anything like that then just um as we mentioned just record them i mean number one you'll take a lot from listening back to that consultation yourself but if you want any kind of critical feedback on that just record them and ping them over and we'll we'll give you some feedback john oh no michelle that's perfect so i plan to touch on my group is a live coaching call awesome man uh, would a simple Google form similar to what we use here be sufficient for a client? We was using a shared Excel, but trying to make it easy for them to reduce barriers. Um, What's that for? Yeah, John, just pop what that. What that is that for a check-in or is it for that thing that Nick talked you through before from your group stuff that you asked the question? Just let us know. Would a simple Google form be similar? Weekly check-in. Yeah, yeah, weekly check-in. Yeah, mate, yeah. Um, yeah, Google form. It's not particularly, I mean, you want to make it automated and easy. Um, so, yeah, Google form, job form, type form, anything like that is going to be pretty quick and easy for people. Um most important things out of that is the is the questions you ask. So yeah, buddy. Started. Okay, guys and girls, that's just done. Nice and brief. You can tell there's no program at the moment when we're in that involved stage. Um, nice and brief. Again, as always, for people listening on the podcast, if you have a question, then make sure you fire it into our DM, um, which is now PT Mentor Academy. Um, and not on PTMA, so please note the change. Um, we have another question, Andy Rose has got one. But um, we will be doing live Q&As for the next two or three Thursdays on Instagram around 8 o'clock. So we might also use your questions for that. Wow, there's a massive bird in my garden. It's huge. I think that bird has been on steroids. Uh, Andy Rose, I have a no I have a Facebook group for my free seven day challenges. When I'm not running a free challenge, would it be worthwhile to drop content in there to help the members? A million percent, mate. It's an engaged audience, isn't it? Which beats kind of any algorithm on any site. You've got an engaged audience that you've already helped. So, yeah, I'd absolutely continue to to serve them and support them. A million percent. Absolutely, million percent. It's another thing that actually, if you are getting frustrated with that lack of return that you're getting on social media, and this is for everyone, it's a wise decision sometimes to take a captive audience into a free group, just to then, you've got them captive, engaged, and just batter them with content. And then when you're ready to obviously ask for the business of one-to-one, -one, online, group, new challenge, or anything like that, 
you drag them from there. You're basically just building a more captive audience than you've got on some of your pages. Again, only if you're getting kind of frustrated and you're not getting the return that you want, but it's a wise decision to do sometimes. Um, and what harm is it? All you're doing is repurposing content from what you're doing on Instagram, but somewhere else, or even adding an odd live Q&A in there. Um, so yeah, it's entirely up to you guys, but it might be a wise decision to do over time. Um, that's us, that's us, that's us, that's us. Guys and girls, thank you for your questions. Thanks for coming on the live Q&A as well and asking a few more. It's been good to have you on and we will see you very, 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 very soon. See you in a bit.